प्रसन्नो मित्रशंवरुण सन्नो भवत्मांद्रो बृहस्पति सन्नो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायमे प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यातम वदिष्यात्यम वदिष्यामवधो तद्वक्तावधो अवतु मवतु वक्ता सहनावदो सहनौ घुन सह वीकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमाषावै ओंदसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयास्पृणा अमृत देवधारण भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण मे मधुमत्मकूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पिता श्रुत मे गोपाय अहम वृक्ष कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रोवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविण गुंसवर्चस सुमेधा अमृतोक्षित शंकोर्वेदनुवचनम शांतिशापूर्णमदूर्णमदूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेव वशिष्य शातिशातिशातिस्मृतिपुरा आलय करुणाल नमा भगवत्दशंकोकशंक शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवतनशरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमद्याय 
ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ಅಖಂಡಂ ಸಚ್ಚಿದನಂದ ಅಖಂಡಂ ಸಚ್ಚಿದನಂದ ಅವಾಂಗ್ ಮನಸಗೋಚರ ಅವಾಂಗ್ ಮನಸಗೋಚರ ಆತ್ಮನಖಿಲಾಧಾರ ಆತ್ಮನಖಿಲಾಧಾರ ಆಶ್ರಯೀಷ್ಟಸಿಧೇ ಆಶ್ರಯೀಷ್ಟಸಿಧೇ ಅರ್ಥತೋಪ್ಯದ್ವಯನಂದನ್ ಅರ್ಥತೋಪ್ಯದ್ವಯನಂದನ್ ಅತೀತದ್ವೈತಭಾನತ ಅತೀತದ್ವೈತಭಾನತ ಗುರುನಾರಾಧ್ಯ ವೇದಾಂತ ಗುರುನಾರಾಧ್ಯ ವೇದಾಂತ ಸಾರಂ ವಕ್ಷೇಯಥಾಮದೆ ಸಾರಂ ವಕ್ಷೇಯಥಾಮದೆ discussing now the ignorance it was said in the passages 35 36 idam agnyanam samastivyasya abhiprayana ekamaneka vidya vyavakriyate this very ignorance is said to be ekam anekam one as well as many how abhiprayana from the standpoint of samasti and vyasti from the standpoint of the totality or aggregate this ignorance is said to be one vyasti and from the standpoint of what we call the individual the components this ignorance is said to be many <coughs> cause is always one effects are many not that they are two different things the gold and ornaments or the clay and the pots are not two separate things now do we say that to identical things it's very interesting that while not being separate a part not being separate we don't say that it is identical also but they are still one they are one in a certain way not one that they are totally identical because part has some specialty the clay gets individualized into a given form and then it is called part but basically pot and clay are not really different from each other but still from the standpoint of clay this substance is called one from the standpoint of the pot it is called many <clears throat> so same clay comes to be called one from the standpoint of the cause or the aggregate the same clay comes to be called many from the standpoint of effect or the individuals similarly or the illustration given here is ಯಕ್ಷಾಣಂ ಸಮಷ್ಟಿಭಿಪ್ರಾಯನವನ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ಏಸ್ ಅವರ್ ಟ್ರೀ ಫಾರ್ ಎಕ್ಸಾಂಪಲ್ ಈಸ್ ಸೈಟ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಮೆನಿ ವೆನ್ ವಿ ಲುಕ್ ಎಟ್ ದಿ ಟ್ರೀಸ್ ಇಂಡಿವಿಜುವಲಿ ಹವೆವರ್ ವೆನ್ ವಿ ಲುಕ್ ಎಟ್ ದಿ ಎಗ್ರಿಗೇಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಟ್ರೀ ಟ್ರೀಸ್ ದೆನ್ ವಿ ಕಾಲ್ ಇಟ್ ವನಂ ಆಫ್ ದ ಫಾರೆಸ್ಟ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಅನ್ ಇಂಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ಇಲಸ್ಟ್ರೇಷನ್ ವಿಚ್ ನೀಡ್ಸ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಕಾಂಟೆಂಪ್ಲೇಟೆಡ್ ಅಪಾನ್ ಅ ವೆರಿ ಬ್ಯೂಟಿಫುಲ್ ಇಲಸ್ಟ್ರೇಷನ್ ಐ ವುಡ್ ಸೇ ಬೆಟರ್ ದೆನ್ ಈವನ್ ದ ಕ್ಲೇ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ಪಾಟ್ ಇನ್ ಎಸ್ ಮಚ್ ಎಸ್ the the forest and the tree illustration gives us that these are two different standpoints meaning the two ha- are looked at from different place or from different state when we say for example the dream is unreal it is unreal from the standpoint of the waker 
the dream is real from the standpoint of the dreamer, but unreal only from the standpoint of the waker. Similarly also, the trees are many when we are at the level of the ground, but the trees, all of them seem to merge into one. The individuality and the duality and the, the diversity of the trees seems to all get merged into one when we have the aggregate or the total standpoint and then we, we call that very same trees as forest. <coughs> so there is a standpoint in which all the duality gets merged, that's all. How do you see a forest? When the duality and diversity of the trees has merged into one. The trees without losing themselves somehow have merged into one because what somehow focused our attention on the distinctions of the tree, that is gone. When I was at the level of the ground, my attention was only focused upon the distinctions of the tree and when I rise up, then the focus is no more on the distinction. In our life also, as long as our attention is focused on the distinction so long, there is many, there is diversity. And when that attention goes away from the distinction, then we ourselves are able to see that oneness. That's all that illustration of, one of the things that the illustration of the tree and the forest indicates or suggests, is that where is our focus? Our focus is on one name and form, do I call I as one name and form? That means equivalent to standing on the ground, you know, on the tree. Then I see only this individual with its all peculiarities and I see every other individual or every other self as different from this. My attention at that time is focused upon the differences or individualities because I am identified with my individuality. When that identification is given, given up, when I do not identify with one body or one mind, if I can somehow identify myself with all the bodies and all the minds, let us say, and it will explain how, because in substance the bodies and minds are not different, one body is not substantially or essentially different from another body, and as much as this body also is a modification of food made up of five elements, and every other body, whether it's a human body or any other body is essentially made up of the same five elements, or that my mind is made up of five subtle elements, as we shall see, my sense organs of perception are also made up of five subtle elements, my sense organs of action are also made up of five subtle elements. So what we call the subtle body, consisting of the subtle organs of perception, the organs of action and the mind, the subtle body is made up of the five subtle elements. And everybody's subtle body is also made of the same five subtle elements. If I come to a point where the differences do not count, but the substance counts, when the appearance and the design of the ornaments does, does not count, but the substance counts, then alone I can see the oneness. And thus, when I see that what I call my body is essentially similar to any other body, and what I call my mind also is essentially similar to any other mind, and thus, if I can identify myself with all the bodies and all the minds, that is, giving up or growing out of the identification with the individuality and identifying myself with the totality, then I'll find that all the differences and all the dualities and diversities, they resolve. Without really destroying anything physically, 
that is all in the vision of the oneness, in the vision of totality. <coughs> there is a vision that is even beyond both the individuality and totality. This individuality and totality, both of them, or the individual and the aggregate, or the component and the assembly, or the effect and the cause, all of these are the ideas at the level of upadhi. What is upadhi? As we discussed yesterday, upadhi is that which somehow imparts its qualities upon something that is nearby, without really affecting it. Like a flower imparts its redness to the crystal, without really coloring the crystal. And then that flower is called upadhi. <coughs> Similarly also this body, mind, intellect, equipment is upadhi. It is individual upadhi. Why is it? Because it somehow seems to impart its qualities or limitations upon the self. The self who is comparable to the crystal, which is pure and without any attributes, that appears to be impure and appears to be with attributes, itself appears to be characterized by the sense of individuality, sense of limitation, mortality, ignorance, whatever, on account of those limitations, in fact, existing in the, in the body, mind, intellect, equipment, complex, or aggregate, therefore we call it upadhi. So this body, mind, intellect, aggregate complex is called individual upadhi. And if I can, so when I'm identified with that, there is manyness. Like identifying or looking at the individuality of one tree. And if I somehow identify myself with all the upadhis, knowing fully well that every tree has treeness, every ornament is gold, and thus every upadhi is nothing but the fundamental substance, namely the five elements, or what is known as prakriti or avyakt or unmanifest, the causal state, then I have what I what we call the samasti or the aggregate standpoint. Then my vision of life is different. But the truth is, it will be said here, beyond both the ideas of individuality and totality. We are closer to the truth when we identify with totality, very close. In short, larger the scope with which we are identified, closer we are to truth or closer we are to God. Therefore, every teacher will tell us to love and to be compassionate and to be giving and to be non-hurting and to be truthful. Even these values that are being told to us are also nothing but the values of trying to identify ourselves with a larger and larger uh, larger and larger scope of existence. Violence, non-truthfulness, you know, fall, non-truthfulness, etc., all of these are equivalent to identifying with my individuality or my ego. So even the values that they give us are also such that we slowly and slowly grow out of a keen sense of individuality and become more and more sensitive to the larger and larger scope of existence. And ultimately, suppose we develop a sensitivity that we are able to be, be able to identify with everything that is there in the creation. That would be the identification with the aggregate or that would be called the aggregate standpoint. <coughs> the truth is beyond both this. Beyond the concept of individuality or the concept of totality. Because individual and aggregate, these ideas are also only with reference to upadhi. 
the aggregate of upadi, truth is that which is beyond them both. However, we can, we have to transcend both. But the individuality is transcended by identification with totality. And then the totality is transcended by the knowledge. Each case it is knowledge. But then to realize that the totality also is mithya. It also is only relative. In that manner we even give up the identification what we call aggregate of the totality. So generally speaking, giving up identification with individuality and trying to identify with totality is called yoga. What we call karma yoga. That's what Karma Yoga says, that perform action as an offering to the Lord in the spirit of the duty, in the spirit of offering and accept whatever result comes to you as gift of God, as prasada. Meaning thereby that your individual likes and dislikes, they do not come into play. And the uh, manifestation or uh, exhibition of likes and dislikes is nothing but the exhibition of ego. And to the extent that we set aside our individual likes and dislikes, to that extent, we are attempting to set aside our ego or growing out of the identification of the ego. So you'll find that these sadhanas or the methods in the scriptures suggested are taking us in that direction from a keen sense of individuality to a sensitivity to a larger and larger scope of existence. So this is the significance of these two standpoints, what we call individual and total. Individual standpoint we call Jiva. The total or the aggregate standpoint is called Ishvara. And that is what is being discussed here. That Yam Samashtihi Utkrishtopaditaya Vishuddha Sattva Pradhana. The verse 37 said, this aggregate or this totality Utkrishtopaditaya since it is Utkrishta, Utkrishta means exalted Upadi means Upadi now I will not translate the word Upadi but then Utkrishta Upadi means exalted Upadi so this Samashti of the aggregate being exalted Upadi the very idea of totality is exalted the very idea of aggregate or totality is exalted because it requires, as we said, giving up the idea of individuality. And how does individuality express itself? As likes and dislikes, broadly speaking. Likes and dislikes, raga and dvesha, which is rajas and tamas. So three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas, of which rajas expresses itself with activity, attachment, aggressiveness, restlessness which is generally classified as raga and the tamas express itself as dullness and as anger etc and so that is that is classified as dvesha so raga and dvesha are rajas and tamas we are always asked to give up these raga dveshas or grow out of the raga dveshas meaning slowly and slowly give up rajas and tamas and then sattva, which is tranquility or the balance, which is really the true nature of our mind, becomes manifest. Huh? The sattva, the tranquility, really is the true nature of the mind. And these likes and dislikes, or rajas and tamas, I should say, are foreign elements. 
which have nevertheless established themselves within our personality in such a manner that that looks the nature. This Ragadvesha or likes and dislikes or Rajasthama is not our nature. Our nature is Sattva, purity, tranquility. So, as this Rajas and Tamas goes, that purity or tranquility or Sattva becomes manifest. And when the mind becomes Sattvic, it is called exalted because it is able to be sensitive to everything. Our sensitivity to things grow to the extent that the Rajas Tamas or the Ragadveshas go. And a person who is Sattvic is naturally more sensitive, more giving, more sharing, more compassionate, more loving and whatever. Whatever values we are in fact seeking, all of these become manifest when the mind is Sattvic. So, when would there be to aggregate? When there is no individuality at all? That means there will be no Rajas and no Tamas at all. That What would that be? It's total Sattva. So, Samashtihi means aggregate. Iyam Samashtihi, this aggregate Upadi. Utkrushta Upadi, because that Upadi is Utkrushta. Utkrushta means it is exalted, meaning it is Sattva. Vishuddha Sattva Pradhana. That Vishuddha Sattva. Vishuddha means pure. Pure Sattva is a Pradhanam. Pradhana means is a principal element in that Upadi. So, in what we call aggregate of the totality, in that Upadi, the predominance is of pure sattva, not overwhelmed by rajas and tamas. Little rajas and tamas is there, even God also. Then no, he can create. So when identifying with rajas and activity, he creates. Identifying with tamas or destructive power, he destroys. Identifying with sattva, he protects. So Ishvara also, or God also has upadi, which is what we call Maya, which is also called aggregate. <coughs> because his author does not use the word Maya, he continues to word, use only word Ajnanam. One and many, but that Ajnanam or aggregate standpoint alone is called Maya in, in, in Panchadashi. That is Vishuddha Sattva Prathana. So Upadi of Lord is aggregate, is Utkrishta most exalted, Vishuddha Sattva Pradhana, predominance in Sattva. So Utkrishta Upadhi, that word also is explained differently. Utkrishta Chasa Upadhi, Utkrishta Upadhi, that which is Utkrishta, exalted as well as Upadhi, or Utkrishta Upadhi, Utkrishta Upadhi. Since it is Upadhi of God, Utkrishta means exalted, meaning Lord. Since this Maya or the aggregate is the Upadhi of the Lord, therefore it is Vishuddha Sattva Prathana. So, this, this is how it is. The same ignorance appears as one where it is predominance in Sattva, and same ignorance appears as many when it is predominant in Rajas and Tamas. It is Rajas and Tamas which alone muddle up things and create the, the ideas or create the appearance of this duality. Sattva reveals the oneness which is inherently there. So Sattva is inherent, oneness is inherent, duality is created or made to appear. So Rajas and Tamas, they make the duality to appear. Sattva means the duality is not there. And therefore, the Upadhi with which Lord the Creator functions is this Utkrishta Upadhi, which is predominant in Sattva. <coughs> <coughs>
Now continuing that, says on the page 38, Etadupahitam Chaitanyam Sarvagnyatva Sarveshwaratva Sarvanyantratvadi Gunatam Avyaktam Antaryami Jagatkaranam Ishwaraha Iticha Vyapadishyade Sakala Agnana Avabhasakatwa Yasarvagnya Sarvavita Itishrutehe Etad upahitam chaitanyam. Chaitanyam, the consciousness or the awareness, or Brahman. Etad upahitam, that Brahman or the consciousness associated with the total upadi, the aggregate upadi, which is, which was, which is called Maya, and which is Vishuddha Sattva Pradhana has Sattva as a predominant, in, as predominant in Sattva. So Chaitanyam or Brahman associated with that upadi, he is called Ishwara. It will say subsequently, same Brahman or Chaitanya associated with the impure Upadhi comes to be called Jiva. And same Brahman or Chaitanya associated with this pure or aggregate Upadhi comes to be called Ishwara. So Brahman alone gains the designation of Ishwara and Brahman alone gains the designation of Jiva. And same Brahman in association with the total Tamas comes to be called Jagat or creation. So, Brahman or Chaitanyam consciousness gains three designations, Ishwara, Jiva and Jagat. <coughs> Here, the teacher is explaining us the concept of Ishwara. Etat upahitam Chaitanyam. That Chaitanyam is called Ishwara Haitija Vyapadishyade. Brahman in association with the aggregate Upadhi or Maya is called Ishwara. <coughs> so Ishwara is the name of Brahman alone. Therefore, we are accepting Ishwara, understand. They believe that Vedantins do not accept Ishwara. If Vedantins can accept Jiva, then they have to accept Ishwara also. So we accept Jiva in as much as it is a matter of our experience. And by the same token, we accept Ishwara also because Ishwara is only in relation to Jiva. <coughs> so then, that Ishwara, meaning Brahman, associated with the aggregate Upadhi, comes to be called, he gains the designation of Sarvagnyatva. In the Arati here, Sarvagnyatva, Sarveshwaratva, Sarvandayamitva, Sarvasrastutva, Sarvabhautrutva, Sarvasamharakatva, Sarvapalakatva, Sarvavyapakatva, Sarvashaktimatva, the Gunagana Vibhushitasya, etc. So these are the kind of designations we give to Lord here when we are doing that evening mantra Pushpanjali. He gains all these designations because of Brahman gains all the designations because of Upadi. Just as Brahman in the role of Jiva gains a designation of small and limited because smallness and limitations belong to the Upadi and not to Chaitanya. And similarly also we should know that 
even these attributes of omniscience, omnipotent, omnipresence, they are not they do not belong to Brahman as such. But Brahman gains the designation of omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent because of its association with Upadi. So omniscience is in Upadi. And Brahman, on account of the association with Upadi, comes to be called omniscient. So also omnipotent. And all these attributes are in Maya or in the aggregate Upadi, in the Samashti Upadi, Samashti Agnanam, Sarvagnyatva. Then Ishvara or Brahman comes to be called Sarvagnyatva. Characharatmaka prapanchasya sakshitvena sarvagnyahaiti uchyate. Because he is the Sakshi or the witness of the entire creation. This Chaitanyam or Brahman becomes witness. See, when is, uh, we should also know this, it's discussed in Gita. What are the peculiarities of these three qualities, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas? When there is Sattva, predominance of Sattva, then there is knowledge. There is knowledge and happiness. When our mind is Sattvic, quiet, silent, contemplative, then it is, that state is conducive for not knowing, for understanding. And that's when also the mind is quiet, tranquil or happy. Rajas, activity, restlessness, distraction. And tamas, dullness, etc. Since the Upadhi of God, or Ishvara, is Vishuddha Sattva Pradhana, or predominantly Sattvic, Therefore, knowledge is the, the natural trait of that upadi, and therefore we call Brahman or Ishvara as all-knowing, because he is the witness of the entire creation. As witness of the entire creation, he is called Sarvagnya or all-knowing. Sarveshwaratva <coughs> Sarvesham Jivanam Karmanarupa he is called Sarveshwara, meaning the ruler of all. How does he become the ruler of all? Because he is a karmaphala data. He is a dispenser of the karmaphala, the result of the actions. So in the role of Ishwara, Brahman is karmaphala datra, meaning the dispenser of the result of the actions performed by all the jivas. Because he is a witness. Subsequently said, Antaryami. He is a very inner, indwelling witness. So he is a witness of all the thoughts and all the ideas and all the actions that are being performed by everyone. So you may say he is a universal computer in which everything is, is registered. Everything is stored. There is a universal memory which is a witness of every heart, every mind and every thought going on anywhere. And every action that is being performed and therefore Everything that we think and everything that we do or whatever, it all gets registered in this universal computer. And the result comes in accordance with that. As I said, we can get away from this local course, but we can never get away from, or we will always be, people also wonder, Swami, all good things I have done in my life and I have not been rewarded. Well, all right, may the world may not reward you. But you'll definitely get a reward. If you've done good things, the reward has to come. In its own way, at its own time, in its own place, but it has to come. And so good actions must be rewarded. And 
the opposite must you know must necessarily have opposite consequences that is no question about it and thus he being the witness of everyone and witness of all the actions therefore he is the he knows exactly what is the appropriate result for a particular action see to determine what should be the result of an action requires omniscience to determine what is right and what is wrong is going to require how much knowledge it is going to require the knowledge of the whole universe because whenever even a small action is performed <coughs> the whole universe is involved every incident that is going on the whole universe is involved really even right now in this communication that is going on the whole universe is involved in some way because there is electricity here there is air here and there is earth here and then you know everything is there all of them are playing the role and all of them have an influence on the action that is being performed and therefore only when one knows the influence of all the factors then alone one can really decide what is the appropriate result for a given action therefore we say that the karma phaladata or the one who is a dispenser of the result must necessarily be omniscient and should necessarily be omnipotent all powerful also because you might know what is right but in order to be able to give what is right also requires power the judge can say all right punish this fellow put him in the jail for 10 10 years but suppose that fellow says let me see who is going to put me in the jail then you cannot put him in the jail you require power also to exercise you know or suppose you say that give him 5 million dollars in award of something suppose you don't have 5 million dollars you don't even have 5 dollars how are you going to how are you going to reward him so to reward someone also you require the energy or power and to punish someone also you require power that's why courts are always supported by police and so forth and so on otherwise the judges will be the first ones you know to be uh, to be attacked but that doesn't happen because there is power must always go with judgment therefore he is a judge of everyone meaning he is a dispenser of all the results and in that is possible only when his sarveshwar is all powerful therefore he is free or independent in giving rise appropriate result at right time at the right place whatever be the result it may be the greatest reward or it can be the greatest punishment therefore is called sarveshwara brahman in the role of the aggregate is called sarveshwara or the greatest ruler sarvaniyantratva <coughs> yosa niyanta tatha sarvesham jeevanam antardaye sthitva buddhiniyamakatvena antaryami iti uchyate all right he is also called niyanta he is a controller of everyone so ishvara the creator or lord is controller naturally because he is all powerful and therefore upanishad says bhishasmad vatah pavade bhisho deti surya hai by his fear the wind blows by his fear the sun shines by his fear the fire and indra all of them perform their functions by his fear in fact even the lord death performs his functions meaning that the oh, we find that the whole universe exhibits an order everything everything functions in accordance with the order nothing everything functions in accordance with its inherent nature and nothing in the universe ever transgresses its nature that shows that there is a order 
that means that he is a ruler so he is the niyanta he is a controller of heaven all these designations we give to god based on our observations of the creation understand he gains a designation as a ruler because we think that everything is ruled we call him the ordainer because we think that everything is ordained we see that everything is ordained therefore we call him ordainer we see that everyone is dependent and being ruled under the control of the laws the one characteristic this difference between the jiva and ishvara is whereas jiva is within the scope of the laws of the nature ishvara is the wielder of those laws same brahman when associated with the aggregate upadi becomes a wielder as you said like a magician so magician is the one who wields the magic and and a, and a, a spectator is the one who is under the spell of that magic how that very magic because of knowledge gives ability of one, to one to wield it and because of ignorance brings him under the spell so also same ignorance or the maya on account of knowledge because there is knowledge in the sattva and in the vishuddha sattva there is knowledge therefore on account of the knowledge the same brahman is called god or ishvara and he becomes the ruler the wielder of the supadi whereas the jiva same brahman as jiva because of ignorance becomes ruled by the upadi <coughs> so we are under the spell or under the control of the laws he is the wielder of the laws therefore he is called sarva sarvaniyantra he is a wielder or the ordainer or the controller of the whole creation even an atom as i say cannot move unless that is it is in order that's what we are discussing discovering even though we may not know they they seem to find disorder at subatomic levels but then there is because we do not understand those those laws but definitely nothing in the universe can ever function which is out of the law and that's why he is called the ordainer sarvaniyantra and so on and so forth thus you can say you can say you you can call him all pervasive all omnipotent omnipresent all these designations he gets because of his association with dupadi so brahman or the consciousness on account of association with this upadi of which is aggregate gains all this designation so who is called ishvara lord brahman alone is called that antaryami sarvesham jivanam antah meaning hrudaye sthitva buddhi niyamakatvena antaryami iti uchyate same brahman is called antaryami antaryami means the inner guide they say or the inner controller antar means inner yami means controller the inner controller don't we find that there is a controller inside who seems to prompt the mind to perform its functions prompt the sense organs to perform their functions so just as we find a, uni- a an order in the whole universe and you find that all the cosmic forces and all the functions being performed in an orderly manner so so we find there is an order within our own self also at the individual level also everything is functioning in an orderly manner the sense organs of perception the organs of action and all the vital forces and everything in this upadi individual also is functioning in an orderly manner that shows that there is a an ordainer or a controller inside so being the controller outside is called niyanta or the controller and being the controller inside is called antaryami the inner guide or the inner controller <coughs>
Jagat Karanam is also called Jagat Karanam. The word Jagat means universe. The word Jagat is derived from the root Gam, means to go. So Gachati Idi Jagat. Jagat means Gachati Idi Jagat. Gachati means that which goes, that which moves. So Jagat is that which constantly is in motion, meaning that which is constantly undergoing change. Therefore, this creation of the universe is called Jagat because it is constantly changing, constantly moving. And Brahman in association with this Upadhi comes to be called Jagat Karanam. Brahman is called the cause of the creation. Why is it so? Because it is where is actual creation? Creation is in Maya. Or creation is in this aggregate ignorance. But inasmuch as ignorance is jada or inert, ignorance cannot really, all its powers which are there in ignorance cannot become uh, effective unless it receives the it receives the blessing of Brahma. It receives the blessing of what we call Chaitanyam or, or awareness. And therefore, we say that Brahman alone is Jagat Karanam. It is the cause of creation. Not a direct cause of creation, but indirect cause of creation. Primary cause of creation is Maya or this Samashtya Jnanam. And Brahman comes to be called also the cause of the creation because without Brahman, Maya or Samashtya Jnanam cannot function. Sarvasya Chara Charatmaka Prapanchasya Vivarta Adhishthanatvena Jagatkaranamiti Vyapadishyata Ityardaha This will be discussed subsequently. But what is the relationship that Brahman has with the creation? A relationship, a relationship similar to the rope has with the snake. So how is the snake created? Snake is created because of the rope ignorance. But rope ignorance cannot be unless there is rope. And therefore we can say that the rope is the cause of the snake. Really speaking, rope cannot be said to be the cause of the snake. It is rope ignorance which is the cause of the snake because if you had seen the rope as rope, there would have been no, no snake. But then, when the rope is not known as rope, then that rope ignorance becomes the cause of snake. But inasmuch as rope ignorance also has its locus in the rope, therefore we say that rope is the cause of the snake. Later on we will discuss, it's called Vivarta Karanam. This one is called Parinami Karanam. Another is called Vivarta Karanam. That will come. This author himself will discuss this. The creation etc. will discuss. But anyway, so Brahman, in account of association with the aggregate Upadi Samastya Jnanam, is called, is called Jagat Karanam, the cause of the creation. <coughs> called the creator. Ishwara. He is called Ishwara. Ishwara means he is a ruler. <coughs> Ish means to rule, and he is called a ruler, without really any attempt to rule on his part. By his very presence everything gets ruled, but then since we find that everything in the universe is ruled, so we give him all this designation. We see that everything is ruled, therefore we call him the ruler. We find that the world is created, so we call him creator. We find the world is sustained, we call him sustainer. We find that the world also is being destroyed, we call him destroyer. We find the world is being ruled, we call him ruler. And thus, we give all the designation to Brahman because 
without Brahman nothing can be. Whatever is and wherever it is and however it is, Ijya Vyapadishyade Sarsakala Agnana Avabhasakatvar Sakala Agnana Avabhasakatvar On account of Avabhasakatvar, he is eliminator of Sakala Agnana, of aggregate of ignorance. So Brahman, inasmuch as it eliminates the aggregate of ignorance or Maya, therefore he gains all the designation. Avabhasaka means eliminator, also means supporter, the locus. Since Brahman is the locus of the Samashti Upadi or the aggregate Upadi, therefore he comes to be called by all these different names. In fact, the omniscience, omnipotent, omnipresence, all of these belongs to Upadi, belongs to Samashti Agnana. But as much as Upadi cannot be unless it is supported by Brahma, therefore Brahma comes to be called by these names. <coughs> Where do you find a reference of this in the Upanishad? And therefore the author quotes here, Yes, Sarvagnya, Sarvavit. <coughs> Says here, Avabhasakatva Shabdaha Vidharakatvadeha Pivulakshanartaha. In this way, Brahman is eliminator of everything, supporter of everything, sustainer of everything. Therefore, it gains its designation. <coughs> yes, Sarvagnya, Sarvavit. Sarvagnya, Samanyataha. Sarvid Visheshataha Janati. Mundaka Upanishad says, Lord is Sarvagnya Sarvavit. Sarvagnya Omniscient. Sarvavit All Knowing. What is the difference between Omniscient and All Knowing? They sound the same thing. But there are two forms of knowledge. One is knowledge in general, general knowledge, other is what we call particular knowledge. For example, a part is known as clay. That would be, we would call Samanya Jnanam or the general knowledge. And then to know the part as part, who made it, where it was made and what is its capacity and what all it does. So knowing all those details about the part would be called particular knowledge. So knowing a part as clay would be knowing the part general, in general and knowing all the other details of the part would be the particular knowledge of part. God knows both. He knows everything in general, as well as He knows every particular thing also. Inasmuch as He is a witness of the whole creation, He knows everything in general. Inasmuch as He is a witness in the heart of everyone, He knows everything in particular. Therefore, He is called Sarvagnya, Sarvavit. In short, Upanishad also verifies that Brahman, in association with the aggregate Upadi, is omniscient, etc., meaning is Ishwara, creator, the designation that are mentioned here. <coughs> so this is how Chaitanya or Brahman, he gains a designation. Brahman gains designation. The Upadi, the Maya also gains designations. That is being said in the verse Upahitasya vyapadesha muktva upadeha bitam sahetukumaha. Upahitam is Brahma, upadi is Maya, or the samastya jnanam. And now, says, what is, what are, what is samastya jnanam or the Maya? What does it come to be called? As said in the passage 39. 
अखिल कारण शरीर आनंद आनंदमयकोश सुषुप्ति अतः एव स्थूल सूक्ष्म प्रपंच अखिल कारण शरीर Samashti Ajnanam is the Karanam, the cause of everything. It will be shown subsequently how the whole universe is created from this ignorance, total ignorance, or the Maya. And we have said it every several times in the past that creation of the snake is because from the ignorance of the rope. So what is the primary cause of the creation of snake? The ignorance of the rope. And similarly also, what is the primary cause of the creation of ego? the ignorance of the self not knowing myself as i am as free and complete i take myself to be bound or limited and therefore that ego also is a product of the ignorance of the self and once ego is created everything else will be created all ego means i when i comes and mine also comes when mind comes then good also comes bad also comes likes and dislikes and all the whole host of creation comes once the ego is created and therefore the whole creation ultimately the is product of what we call ignorance of the self therefore this total ignorance is called jagat karanam because it is the cause of the entire creation <coughs> that will be described subsequently for example upanishad says so kamayata bahusyam prajayaya while describing the thing that existed before the creation that when the universe was not created meaning it was not in the manifest state and we should also know that there is nothing really created as such there is nothing that is begun or created new what we call creation also is nothing but the transformation of the previous state into a new state and so creation of the sprout is nothing but the seed appearing as sprout and the sprout appearing as a plant and plant appearing as tree or gold appearing as ornaments and never it is cause alone appearing as effect that's what we call creation so nothing new is created so before the creation also ornaments were all there where were they in that lump of gold in what state were they in the state of what we call unmanifest or we can say in the state of undifferentiation when the gold gets differentiated it comes to be called ornaments when it is undifferentiated it is called lump of gold and therefore these ornaments were in a state of undifferentiation in sanskrit it is called avyakrata before the creation 
Not that the ornaments which are non-existent are created. These ornaments were existent in undifferentiated or avyakuta state. Or they were existent in unmanifest or avyakta state. So when the unmanifest becomes manifest, again we call it creation. So we say that all the ornaments were in an unmanifest state before their creation and they became manifest. So creation, new creation is not there. Creation is nothing but the trans change from the previous state to the new state. Therefore, this whole universe as we see even today was there before its creation in an unmanifest state or in undifferentiated state. That's how we have to say. Then we described here how from the causal state to the unmanifest state to the undifferentiated state first evolves what we call the totality of the aggregate of all subtle bodies. The thought, the totality of the thought, and how from that the gross bodies or the totality of gross matter comes out. So thought also is matter, and these gross bodies are also matter, but thought is the matter in the subtle state, and the gross bodies are matter in the gross state. So this is how the creation is conceived here or perceived. First the causal state, which is what we call unmanifest or undifferentiated, from that evolves what we call the subtle state, that is the thought or the aggregate of thought or aggregate of subtle bodies. And from that is the gross body, the aggregate of all the gross bodies. So even these, uh, this aggregate of the whole creation, before its appearance was in an unmanifest state or in an undifferentiated state, in the causal state. <coughs> so that's what is called cosmic karanam. Cosmic karanam. Effect means karyam. So this maya or this samashtyajnanam is called karanam or karana shariram. Samashtyi akhila karanatvat karana shariram. Because it is the cause of the whole universe, therefore it is called karanam, karana shariram. It is the body of the, of body of the Lord. Just as the individual upadi is the body of the individual, so also the samasti upadi or the aggregate upadi is the body of the Lord. Just as the individual has the three states, this Lord also is said to have three states. Individual undergoes the states of waking, dream and deep sleep. God also wakes, dreams and goes to sleep. So what is the waking state of God? What we call the whole gross creation. What is the dream state of God? What we call when the creation is in a subtle state, in a state of thoughts, because dream is nothing but in the state of thoughts. So this creation, before it became gross, it was in what we call the thought form, the subtle form, that is equivalent to the dream of God. And when the, when the whole creation was in a causal state, even the thought also was not manifest. When the whole creation was unmanifest, undifferentiated, potential of the causal state that is called the cosmic sleep. So you can call it the sleep of Ishvara. So he also sleeps when all of us sleep. Then he starts dreaming. Then, yes though, then the whole subtle creation is there. And when he wakes up fully, then we have what we call the gross creation. And therefore, this upadi in the subtle state and in the causal state is called Karana Shariram. Let's see the causal body of the Lord, Karana Shariram. 
आनंद प्रचुरत्वात् कोशवत आच्छादगत्वाच्च आनंदमय कोश है द सेम कॉज स्टेट इसको आनंदमय कोश है कोश है मीन शीत आनंदमय मीन्स फुल ऑफ आनंद और फुल ऑफ जॉय इट इज ऑल्सो कॉल आनंदमय कोश है इट इज शीत इन एज मच एज इट कवर्स समथिंग कोशवत आच्छादगत्वात् कोश है टीचर हिमसेल्फ से Gives the definition of kosha. Kosha means a sheet. You know, like we have a scabbard. We have a scabbard which conceals the sword. So when the sword is in a scabbard, and this discussions also will come subsequently. He is going to discuss in detail. But just as a scabbard, it conceals the sword, and therefore you don't perceive the sword. So also, Ishvara is concealed by the supadi, and therefore he is not perceived as is. Therefore, the supadi. Or the total ignorance is called kosha, in as much as it conceals the true nature of the Lord, and it is ananda maya. There is ananda or complete happiness. They translate it as bliss, but anyway, ananda means happiness. In the causal state, there is happiness. What is the causal state that we have? The deep sleep state is the causal state. Then we come to the dream state. Then we come to the waking state. The deep sleep state is characterized by freedom from conflict. It is characterized by freedom from bondage, freedom from sense of individuality. In the deep sleep, person is free. Person is totally happy. Of course, I do not know in the deep sleep that I am happy because that knowledge is covered, kosha. It is, it is concealed or veiled by that ignorance. Therefore, it is kosha. But in as much as in the deep sleep state, there is no strain. When I'm awake, there is a lot of stress and strain, because when I'm awake, I have the sense of individuality, ego, which I have to maintain, which I have to protect, and which I have to support. That's where all our efforts go. You know, whole day, what are we doing? Is protecting the ego, projecting the ego, supporting the ego. That's all we are doing. And so much strain we are taking that we get tired. Swamiji, I am tired. By the time evening comes, I am tired. I am tired not so much because of working. It is a burden on the ego that makes me tired. Really. Of course, the physical strain also can be there. The muscles also can get tired. But more than that, the exhaustion is because I have to, the burden of ego is on my head all the time. I must support it, sustain it, present it, project it. I am happy to go to sleep because I no more have to bother about that. When I am dreaming, at least I have given up the identification of the gross body, and therefore I need not be conscious of my gross body, and I need not worry about how I look and how I am dressed and stuff like that. That also is a problem. Problem is a burden. But even when the dream also is given up, then in the deep sleep state there is a total freedom from the sense of individuality, total freedom from ego, total freedom from all complexes, all self-consciousness. Thus, I enjoy. Total freedom in deep sleep state, because having given up the because of having given up the identification with the gross and subtle body. So you can see how identifying with the gross and subtle body, giving rise to sense of individuality. What an amount of burden it is! And all the time we are trying to hold on to that. All the time we are trying to support our ego, you know. And that is how we are carrying that big burden. Suppose you can give it up. Suppose that ego is given up. Doesn't matter. My individuality doesn't matter. Whatever it is pounded, it is crushed. And suppose I don't care for it, it will go. You know, 
then perhaps I can grow out of it. But here, I use it as a hammer to crush everything else, you know. So, that is why I hold on to it and retain it. Vedanta or any kind of growth is slowly and slowly becoming free from this fetters of this ego. In deep sleep, we experience that by God's grace and how happy we are, how free we are. Therefore, there is in the deep sleep, there is the predominance of ananda or predominance of happiness, which comes because of the release from the identification with the gross in the subtle bodies. <coughs> so, ananda prasuratvat, since there is a predominance of ananda or happiness in that state, koshvat achadakatvat, however, we do not know that we are happy. So, in the deep sleep, I am happy all right, but I am ignorant of the fact that I am happy, therefore, the knowledge is veiled by that ignorance, therefore, it is kosha. Anandamaya kosha. So, the deep sleep state is called Anandamaya Kosha. Similarly, the deep sleep state of God, the causal state also is called Anandamaya Kosha. <coughs> Sarvo Paramatvat Sushuptihi. When? What is the state of the causal state? But the whole universe completely gets merged in that. It will be described here the process of merging back. The text will describe the process of creation. That is described now that we can go back also to the source and the whole universe merges back into its source of the causal state. At that time, Sarvo Paramatvat, the whole universe gets completely merged or resolved in it. Therefore, this cause Sushuptihi, the whole universe is sleeping. There is no activity of any kind. The body, the mind which is awake, all the minds are sleeping. It is a cosmic sleep. So Sarvo Paramatvat, Sushuptihi, that causal state is called Sushuptihi. Because everything has become quiet. All the activities have ceased. Atahaeva sthula sukshma prapancha layasthanam itadochyade And therefore, the state is called layasthanam, the place of complete repose or place of complete merger of the gross and the subtle bodies. The gross and subtle bodies are completely merged where it is called the layasthanam, the place of merger of the whole gross and subtle creations. Does this passage describe what we call the Samashti Upadhi, the aggregate Upadhi of Lord, which is the causal state, which is the cause, which is Ananda, where everything resolves, where everything merges. <coughs> okay, we'll continue tomorrow. Om Puranamadav Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantav Punafpunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaye Dakshina Murtaye Namahan Om Shantishantishantihi Harihi Om Shri Guru Namahan Harihi Om